Hey there, Omaha. Welcome into another episode of Restaurant Hoppin'. I'm your host, Dan Hoppin', and today we get to cover two different areas of food. Normally, we only focus on one, but today we get some pizza, we get some sandwiches, and that's because I have Joel Marsh, the owner of Noli's Pizzeria and Ansel's Pastrami and Bagels on the show. Joel, welcome to the show. Thanks, Dan. Glad to be here. So I want to take separate dives into each of your restaurants, sure. but I also, I have to start with a broad question. You mm-hmm. probably know where I'm going here, but <laughs> so Noli's specializes mm-hmm. in New York style pizza, right. while Ansel's biggest selling point is the pastrami and the bagels, right. which are two staples of Big Apple mm-hmm. cuisine. Sure. You were born and raised in Omaha. Mm, I was. What is it with you in New York? You know. love it. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I was, I've been traveling there. I have family there, so I've been traveling there for the last 30 years and fell in love with the pizza and the bagels and pastrami specifically. So, yeah, I kind of um, fell into it. I was, uh, I started just trying at home to make my own New York style pizza, which worked out all right. And then I had some friends who were developing the Blackstone area and they had a little spot open up and asked me if I wanted to give it a shot. So we went for it and now we're here, so I guess it worked out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, New York and Omaha mm-hmm. have two very different styles of life as well sure. as preferences in cu- mm-hmm. cuisine. Like, I think that this is changing a little bit, but Nebraska, you know, kind of has traditionally been like a sit-down, steak and mm-hmm. potatoes type of food culture, while New York is like fast-paced, mm-hmm. all types of different cuisine and everything. Right. Was there any worry on your part that, that New York like food styles wouldn't translate here? Or was it more of a thinking, hey, this food is great. Good food is good food. People right. will find it and like it. Um, I wasn't too worried about that just because of that reason. I mean, I thought if I could make it great, then people would come and eat it no matter how what they had to do. So there was some little hesitation about like uh, when you go to New York to these really famous pizza places, I mean, you wait in line for an hour just to sit down and order your pizza. So, obviously, that's not going to work in Omaha. Um, people are used to parking right outside. So, we uh, when we went to Blackstone, that's always the complaint we get is the parking. But we just tell them it's New York-style parking as well as <laughs> the pizza. That's a good so, line. Yeah, I wasn't – and I came at it more of a selfish reason that I just wanted to have really good pizza in Omaha for myself. So, I was glad to bring it to, to everybody else. Do you have – uh, a cooking background? No, I mean just like a home chef type background. Um, uh, I'm an artist. Uh, I've done professional photography and um, painting for a long time. And I think I kind of just went to it in, uh, for the artistic side, the culinary art of it, of like just figuring it out. And that's how I've kind of approached everything I've done. And uh, it seems to work out so far. I find that that um, just line of thinking so fascinating because, mm-hmm. you know, I've been to a lot of restaurants that I really love, mm-hmm. but I would never, like, the thought of even trying to replicate that food right. is so intimidating to me. I'm like, I, well, I could never touch this. I'm just going to have to right. come back and buy it. What inspired you to to take that next step and say, not only do I love this food, I love it so much, I'm going to try and make mm-hmm. it for myself. Yeah, I guess it just comes from that love of the food and wanting it when I'm not in New York City. Um, and, you know, I mean, I, I, I love bringing it to people here and showing them what 
It actually is. A lot of people don't have a really good understanding, not as much with the pizza, but more like pastrami. Like when people think of pastrami here, they think of like top round, thin sliced, cold from the deli. And that's completely not what New York style pastrami is. You know, there's different styles of meat, but we use, we all use all brisket. Um, I've heard different things. I think brisket's the most popular out there. There's a navel cut that people think they use, but I've researched it quite a bit, and I think it's mostly brisket. So, mm-hmm. All right. Uh, before we dive into the restaurant's cuisine mm-hmm. and, and the food itself, I discovered something that I didn't, I didn't even realize in doing my research for this, and that is the names behind your restaurants mm-hmm. I think are really cool. Can you just tell me about the naming behind yeah, each? Yeah, so when we were thinking about with the pizza place, so we had already had our daughter Magnolia, and we call her Noli for short. So when we're, we were looking for a name for the pizza place. Uh, we just decided that Noli sounded a little Italian and uh, sounded like a good pizza name, so we named the pizza place after her, and then five years later, when we were going to have our new baby, uh, we were, at the time, thinking about opening a deli. So that came more of like we almost named him with the idea of that being the name of the deli, too. And Ansel, you know, I'm a photographer, so Ansel Adams is what we came up with that. Does he know that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> that he's partially named yeah. as part of a restaurant <laughs> No, <plan>? yeah, definitely. <laughs> he's a, they're both very proud of their restaurants. That is awesome. I love it. All right, now getting into the restaurant specifically, mm-hmm. let's start with pizza first. So okay. Noli's has two locations. Mm-hmm. There's one in Blackstone, one right. in the Inner Rail Food Hall. Mm-hmm. Um, and on the website, it says that the pinnacle of pizza is the New York slice. Now, I tend to agree, but I want to hear it from you. What makes New York style pizza the best style well, it's of the pizza? water. Like we say, <laughs> and it, this is true. So I don't know if that's everything about it, but um, the style of New York is so the super thin. And to be real specific about Noli's, we are New York Neapolitan opposed to just New York style which means we carry on the traditions of the Neapolitan pizza with a few exceptions. Ours, our whole pies are bigger. Um, actually, that's about the only thing because the, the, the only other things you need for that are the uh, type of mozzarella. And I guess we don't use a lot of We use buffalo mozzarella for some slices. It's the thinness of the crust using double-lot flour and the heat of the oven. So we cook our pizzas at eight, 900 degrees. And, I, you know, I eat all types of pizza, so I don't even know if I would say it's the best style of pizza. So it's aced, a really good style of pizza. Uh, it's my favorite. I like the simplicity of it. Uh, that's kind of one of the learning curves we've had here is um, people tend to want to overtop their pizzas in Omaha for this style. I totally understand that for, like, Omaha-style pizza like the everything or hamburger. But New York, I mean, you ask most New Yorkers, they're getting mostly just cheese. Usually when I, all my friends from New York just eat cheese pizza and I'll eat pepperoni, but it's a two topping max, I think. So. Well, tell me more about that because I I did want to hit on that. It even Mm -hmm. says on you guys' website and to be 
perfectly clear, Noli's pizzas mm. are extremely customizable. I think you guys mm-hmm. have like 29 ingredients or right. something, and people can load on as much as they want. Mm, they can. But you encourage diners, I think you say, try and keep it to three toppings, and, right. and you even said two right now. Right. Why? Just just the side of the crust just can't support it, you know. And once you get start adding, especially vegetables, you get a lot of moisture that's being cooked out of these vegetables and coming on the pizza, and it kind of gets a little soggy maybe. Mm-hmm. Okay, now we got to get into the crust, and, and okay. you mentioned a little mm-hmm. bit before you guys' tagline that it's in right. the, it's in the it water. Is. The water is what matters. Right. You got to tell me the story about how, right. how you got this New York water, and mm-hmm. and why like there's kind of like this um, aura around mm-hmm. New York water. Right. What is it about New York water that makes it special? Well, just uh, specifically toward to New York, New York water, it is renowned as some of the best municipal water in the world. Um, they did a really smart thing 100 years ago and protected the watershed in upstate New York in the Catskills. So all their, all their water that goes into New York City is filtered through granite of the Appalachians. So that's why it's, it's super pure. It picks up this mineral content. And then they pumped it into New York. Um, so we had an idea of using that water, and I actually got the idea to the way we do it from Isaiah at Archetype Coffee. Oh, yeah. He was, opening at, the, yeah, he was opening at the same time, and he was just telling me, he's like, I just had this company come in with all these different types of water, like mineral content, softness, everything, to try out with the coffees and pair them up. And that gave me that. I'm like, well, I want New York-style water for the pizza, which made sense. So... I had uh, one of my friends works for the city of New York yeah, in their environmental department. So she sent me a gallon of tap water straight out of the tap, took it to this company, Future Ramics um, Water Company, and they did an analysis on it. So it came back with, just as comparison, so New York City water is 80 parts per million contaminants, Right. New or Omaha water is 400. So, so it's five times, five as, times pure. as pure. And 80 is an incredible number, low number for municipal water, probably some of the best anywhere. And so we had them do that, and then they set up a filter which purifies it and then adds back in the mineral content uh, specific to the New York water. And what... What does that do to the crust? Like, what, how, how does that impact the crust that just makes it different? Because right. you're talking about a lot of effort that you went sure. to to get this special water, and I'm right. sure it's more expensive and everything, but you clearly believe it's mm-hmm. integral to the product. Yeah, so I'm what done. does it do that separates it from other doughs you might find in Omaha? I mean, if you think about it, so dough is 60% by volume water. So it's going to impact the flavor of the, the dough no matter what it is. And the old saying goes in New York is the pizza and bagels are so good because of the water. And I, and now I tend to believe them because I, I mean, we, I think we proved it here. Gotcha. Now you mentioned earlier, those 900 degree ovens mm-hmm. and they cook pizzas in a matter of minutes. Mm-hmm. I like the last time I went to Noise, I think I ordered and within like five minutes I had my two slices mm-hmm. of pizza it was, right. and they were smoking mm-hmm. hot. It was beautiful. I know that those, from talking to other chefs who operate mm-hmm. those ovens, 
those are really tricky. Like mm-hmm. they require a lot of learning, a lot of knowing, Hey, you know, a, how to start it, how to mm-hmm. like keep it going. If I put it, if I put a piece of pizza or a pizza in this part of the oven versus mm-hmm. this part of the oven, it's going to cook faster. Mm-hmm. How long did it take for you to kind of figure that out and kind of master those ovens? Yeah. You know, when we started, we started with a really one, basically a one pizza oven. And that was super challenging. So soon we got busy, but you're absolutely right. It's a super dynamic cooking process where it just takes a feel for, and that's what I kind of love about it. There's an art to it. These are pizziolis, are artists when they put these ovens and it, when they're working on a Friday or Saturday night, it's ama- I'm amazed at what they can do as far as rotating the pizzas around in certain hot spots and just knowing how to do it in a huge volume that they're doing. So yeah, it just takes a lot of time and there's, you know, there's a lot of mistakes made, but, um, that's just, that happens. So trial and error. That, that's it's exactly a story of, uh, of your career. It is. It is. And I think that's a nice segue into Ansel's because yeah. As I understand it, trial and error was a huge part mm. of your learning process to develop that pastrami. Right. Um, like so many others, you being at being in New York, fell mm-hmm. in love with the mm-hmm. the meats at Katz's Delicatessen. Right. A lot of people love that meat. It's one of the most popular right. sandwich restaurants, I'd say, in mm-hmm. all of America. A lot of people have probably tried to recreate it. Very few mm-hmm. have succeeded. What made you think that you could unlock that secret? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I like a lot of things. I don't know. I kind of get something in my head and just it, just keep going for it and just keep trying and trying and never give up. And eventually I figured it out. Um, there was a long, big learning curve on that. You know, we do it different – the the big thing is like the volume we do is not near like at cats is they they can just have it in the steamer and just they're serving so much they can just have about carve it so we had to figure out a way to hold it to where we don't have we because we, we can't have you can't have a hundred pounds of meat sitting there because it's not it's going to go dry or go bad so mm-hmm. I I came up with the idea to do to use the sous vide which is um, vacuum sealed and then a water bath but not to cook it but just to hold it Interesting. so the process goes we'll brine it for two weeks pull it out then it's smoked and then cooled again and then next day it's steamed and then cooled again and then it's sliced and then we bag it into these sous vide pouches and then we hold it in these water baths so it, it's kind of seals in the moisture you can hold it at 160 degrees, and it's a way we can have a really good product, that, you know, real consistent. So that was that was kind of the big struggle with that, besides all the, you know, tweaks that, I mean, it takes three weeks to figure out if you did the right thing. You <laughs> yeah. know? So, it's a long so process. Yeah, so it was a lot different than the dough. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's been fun. I think we finally got it down to where I'm – happy with it but just like everything i'm i never stop tweaking it trying to make it better how many trial runs did you go through until you reached the point where you were happy enough with it to where you would serve it to customers right. oh i remember a f- 
few hundred pounds probably of oh brisket. It was a lot because, <laughs> yeah, each round was yeah, – I probably could have managed it a little bit better, but I would, I would have faith in it and put 50 pounds of meat in, and uh, it didn't work a few times. So, so I mean, you're talking so – That's a couple – a few months, yeah, I think, for sure. You're so. talking months of trial and error. You're talking, you yeah. know, hundreds of pounds of meat. Like, mm-hmm. what was it like for you that moment when you – you tried it and it worked and you were just like, this is it. What was that moment yeah. like? Oh, it was, it was a Eureka moment. You know, it was amazing for sure. But you know, and it happens a lot too. Cause every time I go in there, I do, when I try it and it, it's, it brings me back. I'm like, yes, that perfect. Sometimes it, it's not perfect. And then we go back and figure out what happened. But so it's definitely, it's still a work in progress. Like I said, I mean, I'll, I changed the, dough recipe two months ago just a tiny bit but i i was feeling something that i wanted to uh, improve and we did it so take me back like to the very beginning of the pastrami process and that Mm -hmm. you you have you have the pastrami in new New york you fall in love with it you say i want to have this when i'm at home as well right where do you even start like what? What was that development uh, process yeah. like for you? A lot of internet searches for sure. That's definitely the starting point, and trying to gather as much information as possible, and then starting and yeah, and then just trying it out. I would get briskets and just make them for myself and families for like Christmas. We don't have a big pastrami brisket, and yeah, I don't. It just, I don't know. Sometimes it just works out for me for some reason. <laughs> You just seem like the kind of guy who just won't be denied. Yeah. Like, if something isn't working, you're not just going to say, oh, eh, okay, I'm done with right. that. Like, I'm giving up on that project. You're, you are just a bulldog who will not yeah. let his teeth out. I, I like a challenge, for sure. So, and I don't like to lose, so that's uh, another thing. Those are two very, very good traits to have. <laughs> yeah. So something that I'm really interested about with Ansel specifically is – you guys also make an exceptional version of some of a sandwich that is not native mm, to New York, right. and that's the Philly cheesesteak. Yep. And I, I really, really like mm. you guys' rendition of the Philly. Right. What was the process, or what was the thought process of adding that to the menu, and mm. what did you do to make it stand out? That was another selfish thing. I really love Phillies too, and I was like, I'm a really good Philly, so I was like, well, got a sandwich shop, might as well try it out. Um, it's, you know, mostly about, I was just using the best ingredients we can find. And we already had a lot of the stuff for our pizza, um, like caramelized onions and roasted red peppers and the cheese. We used really good mozzarella cheese, which is a little different than a lot of Philly places. Um, then we do a, a little sauce that I that came dynamite up with. sauce. Yeah. It was just, it's kind of just what I used to put on my Phillies all mixed up. I can't tell you what that is, though. Oh no, I, I, I wouldn't wouldn't dare ask. But I, I love that you just make stuff that you like. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's the beautiful thing, and and yeah. that's a through line I find with a lot of chefs and cooks mm-hmm. is the best food that they make isn't necessarily what might what the uh, general population mm-hmm. is you know thinks that they want or is craving or anything, but they want to cook things. That they love, and that is where they find their most success because it's something that they're passionate about and they care about, and they're willing to spend months trying to mm-hmm. develop one recipe. 
I, I just find that so inspiring. Um, so what made you take the leap? Because it's one thing to, and I commend you for mm-hmm. this, it's one thing to come back from New York and say, okay, I, I want to make New York right. style pizza mm-hmm. and pastrami for myself. Mm-hmm. It's a whole nother right. thing to open a restaurant. So yeah. just going back to Noli's specifically, because that one came first in 2015, mm-hmm. How did the idea of opening a restaurant even come to your mind? Hmm. That's a good question. I, so I was working on a professional photographer at the time doing commercial photography. Um, making pizzas at home. And I have a, I think it just all came when uh, I have a good friend, Jay Lund. And just talking with him. And then he was going through the Blackstone, they were just starting to kind of redevelop the whole area. And I think he I think he just put it in my head that it might be a possibility to open a little space there. And it was a tiny space, the first Nollies. So it didn't seem like that much of a jump into a big restaurant. And honestly, I just didn't know better. <laughs> <laughs> didn't know how hard the restaurant industry is and uh, how much work you have to put into it. Um, which we learned real quick. But luckily, it's, it's worked out, and I, I love it, for sure. Well, can you go into that a little bit more? Because I I know that there are restaurant workers, cooks mm. that listen to this podcast, but right. there's also a great uh, population of this podcast mm. that has no idea right. what the restaurant industry is like, and I have very little knowledge and mm-hmm. experience of that. So whatever knowledge you want to drop, right, just go ahead right, and drop right. it right now. Yeah, I mean it's uh, it's uh, it's tough. Uh, low margins, a lot of hours. Um, yeah, coming out from where I was at, I was just totally focused on providing the highest quality product I could. And you know, for a lot of restaurants, it's it's hard because that's where that's cutting your margins back. Just as an example, when we were starting. I was uh, meeting with some, um, like, food purveyors, right? And met with one. They were gonna, we were going to do a tasting of some meat and stuff. So I go there, and they're, we're just tasting sausage. Uh, so I'm eating this. I'm like, no, this is terrible. I don't want any of this. It just tastes totally fake, processed. I'm not. This is it. And he goes to me. He goes, Joel, so I think you're a guy who likes your meat to be 100% meat. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I'm that guy. I want, I'm what like, high how, expectations yeah, you have? I'm like, how how low does it go? He's like, really, really low. It's like, how do you think that they can sell it? Like a some other places can sell a large pizza for five bucks. It's because it's, the quality is just terrible. So that learning curve, like when we get a lot of people, like, well. Your pizza is really expensive. We know how much it should cost, but they're not comparing apples to apples, really. Mm-hmm. So that that was hard. Because, and then paying our and employed like labor, that's what it blew me away how much labor was. I didn't realize that it was going to be that crazy. Because we we'd love to pay our employees, and we we pay them really well. I mean, I think better than most places, especially in our kind of genre of restaurants and but it's difficult it adds up really quick and that was really surprising to me i think something kind of along those lines that's surprising to a lot of 
people who open a restaurant for the first time, especially those who come from outside the restaurant industry, is once you're a restaurant owner, a lot of your job has like nothing to do with food. It has to do with hiring and maintaining Mm -hmm. employees. It has to do with designing a space. It has to do with marketing. It has to do with Mm -hmm. taking photos and putting them on social media, like all this other stuff. Right. Not to mention like all the business aspects behind Mm -hmm. everything and and getting, um, getting permits, you know, right. Having everything qualified. Like how did you get yourself, um, ready for all of that <laughs> i didn't that's for sure because <laughs> i wasn't but you know you just got to kind of plow through and have some faith and pizza luckily for marketing it'll you know i think pizza will sell itself for i mean i think everybody's going to come out and try the local pizza place once and that's what i was kind of betting on and as long as you put a really good product forward they're going to come back if you don't, they're probably not. So, but yeah, I, I like you were saying, like even all those things you mentioned that they were surprises to me after the fact of <laughs> opening. You know, I thought it was going to be easy. I'll just cook some pizza and sell it. But yeah, there's so much more to be done that it was very eye opening for sure. But you figured it out. Yeah. You're still here. Still figuring it out. <laughs> we're still here. That's for sure. Take me back to that first day that Noli's opens and the first customers that you serve. I just want to know what sticks out the most, the emotions, the public response, just whatever comes to the front of your mind, hit me with it. Just overwhelmed. It was like, yeah, because you open up a restaurant and especially when I had never done it before, then like everybody wants to come the first day. So we had lines out the door packed and you're still trying to figure this stuff out. And you got way too many employees there tripping over each other and trying to make everybody happy, which is not always that easy when it's super, super busy. But yeah, I just remember, and it was, it was great. It was a wonderful feeling when we got done. We ran out of pizza, so that was kind of interesting. And it was a, it was a cool feeling to just an accomplishment, you know, to actually serve the public and have 99 percent positive feedback for sure so clearly you know we've talked about how this was very much a learning experience Mm -hmm. and you know that there was a little bit of tripping at the beginning (laughs) at what point did you feel like noli's really got its footing and you got your footing as a restaurateur where it wasn't just like a bombard of new information Mm -hmm. every day but it was kind of like okay things are things are starting to smooth out a little bit maybe Mm -hmm. not run themselves but like the restaurant kind of found its groove right well, so it was a few years in because after about a year and a half, we decided to move to the current spot. So that was a whole other huge project, remodeling a giant space from the ground up, basically. Um, so, yeah, that that took a lot of time and energy and learning. Like then you're doing like general contracting, basically, which I did for eight months just to get the new restaurant open. And then opening that up was a whole another animal because it was so much bigger. It's not huge, but twice as big as what we had. So we had to uh, figure that out, figure out how to do that much more volume. Um, I think maybe, I think within the last two years, I've been feeling like more able to let it go a little bit, not have to 
really micromanage stuff, which I'm sure my employees appreciate. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you got successful enough to the point where in 2019, you opened a second location of Noli's, like Mm -hmm. we mentioned earlier, in the Interrail Food Hall. Right. Um, But I want to go back a year before that, 2018. That's when you opened Ansel's for the first time. When and how did you decide that, okay, Noli's feels good. We feel Mm -hmm. comfortable with that. Now we've got this dream of doing the New York pastrami as well. It's time to Mm -hmm. bring that idea to life. Well, so we... So we had the space because we had the old Nolis. So that's when we decided that, yeah, we're going to give it a shot since, I mean, we were under lease anyways, so we might as well. And we kind of knew that when we were moving Nolis that we were going to use that space as a deli. So that was kind of the plan the whole time. took a little bit longer to get Nolis running like we wanted it to in order to open Ansel's. And then when we did, I think I – I would have done it differently now, just learning about it, because we only opened for breakfast and lunch at the time. And it was tough to get traffic and get catch up with everything. So for the first part of Ansel, especially when we were at that the old space, it was just a lot of, and probably luckily, because it was a lot of learning on how to produce the product and get it out the door. But um if I did to do over again, I probably wouldn't have done it a lot differently. I like the food hall aspect a lot. I think Ansel's fits really well there because um, you need that traffic, especially with something that people aren't familiar with. Like pizza is totally different. Pizza is markets itself. But something like a sandwich shop, like pastrami, it's, it's a bit tougher. You have to do a lot more marketing. Well, I wanted to ask you about that because you kind of talked about a couple minutes ago with the mm. with the neighborhood pizza place. Everybody's going to go right, try it, right. and if you get somebody in right. the door and you give them a great product, you can create mm. a repeat customer just like that. Right. But for a New York style deli or mm. a sandwich shop, that's something that, especially us here in Omaha, we're not as familiar with. So. Right. While it might be delicious, less people yeah. are going to just say, hey, this new place just opened. I right. got to go try it. Right. So how do you get people in the door? How do you get people to come to the switch and say, right. I've got this awesome product. You've mm-hmm. got to trust me on this. You have it once and you'll right. be back. Uh, that's a question I don't have the answer to yet. I'm <laughs> still trying. And just it's, it's still having faith that, it, you know, that the product you're, gonna, you're putting out is is that good that once people do try it, they're going to love it and come back and tell their friends. So, yeah, we haven't done a whole lot of, we didn't, we basically done none with uh, Noli's. Um, that was just all on word of mouth and, you know, we'll do social media posts, but that's about it. Mm-hmm. Um, Ansel's pretty much the same, a lot of social media. And like I said, switch is great because people come into the switch just for what it is, and then they can be exposed to what we do. Yeah, the food hall is really a beautiful mm-hmm. concept mm-hmm. that is still relatively new to Omaha, but something that's really catching on. You, you know, you look at the success of the inner rail, which we mentioned right. that's where Noli's is, and now mm-hmm. the switch is a couple years old. That's where Ansel's is. Do you see this being a continuing trend? And from a restaurant tour mm-hmm. perspective, like, you mentioned a few, but like, what are the major benefits of having a space inside a food hall like that? I think traffic's probably the biggest one. A um, little less risk involved just by how the financial setup is. Um, 
you got a little bit of a, like kind of a co-op ordering um, discount or what have you. Um, I think the the less the risk part is probably the biggest benefit I've seen, and the tra- the traffic is there because I mean they're marketing to get everybody in there, and if you don't have to do that, that's very helpful. This is a totally random question, but I just kind of have to know as we wind down here. Mm-hmm. Have you ever tried putting your pastrami on one of your pizzas? Yeah, we and have. How is it? I, I it's not my favorite. Yeah. People like like we. We'll make a um, a Reuben pizza. That's pretty good. But I don't know. For some reason, I don't like anything on my pastrami except mustard and rye bread. So I think the cheese kind of is just such a – I'm big into, like, the the notes of the food. So you got that deep pastrami is really on the low end. And I want to pair it with that mustard. And when I get to that pizza with the, any type of cheese, that just kind of – brings it everything down and i can't and i haven't found a way to bring it back up on the other side no that, that makes a lot of sense yeah. i can see that and thinking back on other pastrami's i've had on pizzas that is kind of the case and i've also found sometimes it can be a little dry just from mm-hmm. being cooked again but right, true. i was just curious because you've yeah. got two amazing products right, i right. didn't know if they coalesced well we, we tried it yeah i just said uh, i haven't perfected it yet at all but some people like it, so. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll get you out of here on this cool. last question. And, you know, you've talked a lot about how there was so much learning to mm. becoming a restaurateur. You're still learning all the time. This is a continuing process. But you've got three restaurants or two restaurant mm-hmm. concepts, three locations now. Right. You're clearly doing something right. Mm-hmm. What in your mind is the most important trait you have that has made you a successful restaurateur? I think uh, attention to quality and just refusal to give up. And that's all you can do. You got to just keep going forward and, and trusting what you're doing and just, yeah, keep going. Well, whatever you're doing, you're doing something right because yeah, I'm a, you. I'm a big fan of both restaurants. Um, Noli's fantastic, you know, New York style pizza. You just, that mm. crust, it really is just something else. I don't know the right. science behind the water. I don't care to learn yeah. the science behind the water. I just want to eat more of it. Sure. And yeah, the pastrami, like you mentioned, I think it's perfect at Ansel's because you guys don't dress it up. It's mm-hmm. rye bread, it's mm-hmm. mustard, yeah. and it's pastrami. Right. There's no cheese, there's no veggies. Mm-hmm. It's just meat and <laughs> bread and glorious mustard it is awesome i highly encourage you listeners go check out Noli's and go check out ansel's you know Noli's is pretty well known ansel's right. i think deserves a little bit more credit especially okay. because you don't have a lot of places in omaha doing pastrami at mm-hmm. all and definitely not doing pastrami this well so i want to give a shout out to those restaurants joel thank you so much for coming on the podcast today this was a real pleasure thank you i appreciate it all right and as always omaha thanks for eating with us a hood at media production